0: Today, we're going to be talking about insulin-like growth factor and different peptides to use. So by no means am I an expert in this area. In fact, I'm going to be referring to different articles and to Ben Greenfield's article, which I will provide a link to as well so you can read it for yourself. So we will start off. Are you finally at your wit's end where you are tired of dealing with doctor after doctor? Like You don't even believe it, but I promise you, I promise you, we will take good care of you. So click the link in the show notes, book a call today, and we'll be talking to you soon. Well, let me start off by saying most peptides are actually prescribed. So integrative doctors, functional medicine practitioners, nurse, nurse practitioners who are functional thinking, such as the one that I work with and who is a part of my team, prescribe peptides. So they will actually do a workup on you. And let's say your goal is weight loss and we are working on your thyroid, we're changing your diet. We are looking at your insulin levels and making sure you're not insulin resistant then, and you still are struggling to lose weight. Sometimes there can be a decrease in growth hormone because growth hormone decreases as we age. And we're going to get into that as well. Sometimes there is just a muscle wasting disease like sarcopenia, or maybe you have been through chemotherapy and radiation. There's a little bit of cachexia. That's a muscle wasting process as well that's going on. Or you're just getting a little bit older and you're not building the kind of muscle that you used to, that lean body mass that helps to burn fat. You're working out at the gym. You're not seeing results. You're doing everything properly. You may just need peptides to kind of help you along. So first, the first peptide I want to start with is, well, first of all, we had to talk about insulin-like growth factors. So IGF-1, we can actually measure your growth hormone levels and measure your IGF-1 in your blood. Now, this is a specialized test. And again, most likely you will have to be working with an outside-of-the-box practitioner that can order lab work. I don't know if Labs actually has this. I want to say they do have this as an option. That you can actually measure your IGF-1 levels. So IGF-1 is a protein peptide hormone, meaning it consists of 70 amino acids bonded together. And your own human growth hormone release promotes the synthesis of IGF-1 in your liver and do smaller amount synthesis of IGF-1 by your muscles. Your liver and your muscles then synthesize IGF-1. And then in the case of your liver, Subsequently, package the IGF 1 with binding proteins for transport into the blood in a type of anabolic positive feedback loop, anabolic meaning muscle growing catabolic is muscle depleting, breakdown, anabolic is the growth of muscle. So in a type of anabolic positive feedback loop, IGF-1 then further increases growth hormones, anabolic effects. IGF-1 is so named because of its close resemblance to insulin. So it's called insulin like growth factor, but I don't want you to think of it as bad, how we want to reduce insulin levels in the blood because that helps cause you to put on weight. If you are insulin resistant, and I don't want you to think of it as has a bad state, in fact igf one um, is similar to insulin, it interacts with insulin receptors on the surface of your cells, producing some of the same effects as insulin, so it it can, it can actually help push the nutrients that insulin is trying to deliver into your cell and make that cell more sensitive, not resistant to but more sensitive to insulin 's effect so with igf one um, there is some controversy because IGF-1 has a cancer link to it. So anytime that we're using, let's say, growth hormone or IGF-1 in the form of a peptide or any kind of growth hormone-releasing peptide, so GHRP, G, there's also GHRH, which is growth hormone-releasing hormone. Those can be in the form of CJC-1295, ipamorelin, Semorelin, modified and modified GRF1 through 29. So there's so many different peptides out there that stimulate growth hormone release from your pituitary gland that if you have a history of cancer, we tend to stay away from that. And that's why I tend to like you going through my nurse practitioner to get the peptides prescribed because we do a thorough workup before prescribing certain ones. So there are ones that you can use. There's still peptides that you can use that will help with muscle repair, will help with muscle muscle growth, which will then obviously help with fat loss because the more lean body mass you have, the better metabolism you have. So there are other peptides out there, but you have to really kind of be targeted on which ones you are going to use for yourself. So like I said, we can use peptides like the growth hormones, secretigogs, the growth hormone releasing hormones, the growth hormone releasing peptides to stimulate your pituitary to produce more growth hormone. Growth hormone is the anti-aging hormone. So I want you to think of everything that comes with youth. It's called the fountain of youth. So that's what gives us the nice smooth skin and the energy and those powerful workouts and the recovery after workouts where you don't feel like hammer batch it afterwards. It helps your muscles grow. It helps them repair. It helps you with your metabolism and, and stimulates fat loss in the long term. It's not an immediate, it's not a quickie quickie fix. This is the long term effect of raising your growth hormone levels without actually taking growth hormone, right? because on the black market, we know the growth hormone is sold. Those of you who don't know, guess what? On the black market, growth hormone is sold. You don't know where it comes from. You don't know the strength. It has been counterfeited over and over again to where sometimes bodybuilders will use growth hormone, will buy growth hormone on the market to use before a show in hopes of greater fat loss. And while the concept is there, yes, the use of growth hormone Will help with that. They're probably better off going the peptide route because it's very, very um, rare. Peptides are counterfeited, especially, I mean, if you're guaranteed from a trusted source, if you go through a practitioner. So that way you're at least guaranteed a trusted source and you're not getting them from China. But many of the well known, well spoken about, like Ben Greenfield talks about certain companies, he has interviewed owners of peptide companies like TaylorMade. Jean-Francois Tremblay is another peptide guru that really knows this stuff when it comes to peptides. I would love to interview him on my podcast, The Thyroid Fix, as well. That would be fantastic because I would love to pick his brain. And then Ben Paluski, who has a podcast called Muscle Intelligence, he dives deep into peptides as well and really knows his stuff. And he actually interviewed Jean-Francois Tremblay too, on his podcast. So that's where I would go to find your sources if you are deciding to purchase on your own and dose on your own. But if you're just starting off and you're like, you know what, I think I could have some benefit from the use of peptides. It's the up and coming science when it, when it's when we're talking about muscle repair, fat loss, and anti-aging, and even prevention of disease. This is the up-and-coming science. There are so many different peptides out there that we could dive into. The only other one I would like to dive into would be thymus and beta. And I would have to have a specific podcast on just that alone. But in a nutshell, I'm just going to give you the overview. So thymus and beta is For muscle and tissue repair, for wound healing. It does help with increased muscle mass. So it will actually help you put on and keep muscle if you are really trying to. And no, this is not a steroid. So ladies, those of you who are saying, I don't want to get beefy, it's not going to make you beefy. This is not a steroid compound. This is a peptide that is working as an amino acid sequence to actually improve how your body functions. So when we hold on to muscle mass, you know, when you, so when you go to the gym and you're working out hard and you're trying to build those nice shapely shoulders and you're trying to get some nice shapely biceps and you want your little bum to be lifted... This is what's going to help you, especially as you age. After you crest over 25, 30, your growth hormone starts to go downhill. And then it's all downhill from there. So you're going to see that breakdown of collagen in your skin. You're going to see the loss of muscle mass. You're going to see that you can't build muscle like you used to. You're going to see that your sleep is all messed up. So when we actually use these peptides, they can improve deep sleep. Now they're not going to help you fall asleep. It's not going to be like a melatonin where you're going to all of a sudden fall asleep, but they will help you get into a deeper sleep. Now, since we are talking about IGF-1, I just want to talk about natural ways to increase IGF-1 like growth factor one and thus increase your growth hormone levels. You want to make sure that you're getting sufficient protein and calories because if you are starving yourself, if you're not getting enough protein, if you're a woman, which I see this across the board, women coming in at 40 and 50 grams of protein per day, that's not enough. So IGF-1 levels will plummet. And the correct amount of calories and protein can actually cause IGF-1 to go up. So it's a fine line. It's about finding that fine line, but one can make it IGF-1 go down, one can make it go up. So you really want to find that happy medium of proper amount of protein and calories. One study of women who fed fed with excess calories over and above their normal metabolic rate noted a 19% increase in IGF-1 after two weeks of overfeeding with 46% of the weight gain from lean mass and then 54% from body fat. Now, we don't want you to get into the body fat phase. You don't have to go 19% over your, or just feed yourself over with excess calories um, above your normal metabolic rate. But you can at least get in your normal amount of calories. I always say, try to work with somebody to get your perfect diet, to get that nutrition plan that is targeted for you and your health, where we look at your blood work. And just like my nurse practitioner targets the peptides that we're going to use for you. We can also target your nutrition plan for you. So you want a nutrition plan that targets you. Most of the time, I don't look at calories and macro, like total calories, but unless somebody is deficient. If a woman, I'm, I'm saying women because it's majority of women comes to me and she is deficient in calories or in is in a starvation mode, we're definitely going to have a talk. And we may even track your calories and your macros for a while to make sure that you stay out of that starvation mode that you can so easily slide into. So we don't want to necessarily push you over and above, but I think this study shows the fact that when you do eat, the correct amount of calories, your IGF-1 level can go up and you can actually put on lean muscle mass, lean muscle mass. So again, just even, I'm going to quote Ben Greenfield here. um, Of course, this doesn't mean that you need to stuff your face 24-7 to experience IGF or growth hormone surges. You can simply implement refeed meals or refeed days in which you eat to slight caloric excess. And then when you combine that with intermittent fasting and days on which you consume lower calories, you can achieve an IG of one sweet spot. So I always talk to my patients about cycling. Like You don't have to do, let's say one day you wake up and you're just not that hungry and your caloric intake is a little bit low that day, inevitably and hopefully the next day or two later, you will be hungry and you'll actually overfeed or refeed slightly. And then if you are incorporating intermittent fasting, and that's a great way to increase growth hormone levels, but you always have to do it naturally. I tell you this over and over again, and we have a specific podcast on this, to fast or not to fast, do so in listening to your body. If you wake up not hungry, don't eat. But if you wake up starving, then you do not override that hunger signal. You don't try to be a type A personality and push past that because that's going to increase your cortisol. So if you're combining intermittent fasting with refeeding, if you're combining those low calorie days where you're not that hungry with higher calorie days where you are just hungry and can eat everything in sight, that's actually a good thing. So go ahead and cycle through that. You also want to make sure in a natural way to increase your IGF-1, you want to make sure that your micronutrient status is maintained, magnesium, zinc, B1. Um, zinc is very, very important. We talk about B1 for the health of your thyroid. So all three of those, mag, zinc, and B1, thiamine, very important for thyroid function. So no wonder it's also important for IGF-1 production because the thyroid is the master gland. So those thyroid hormones being produced by our master gland are imperative for life, your whole body to function every single cell in your body has a thyroid hormone receptor on it specifically t3 so those micronutrients those minerals are of vital importance for your thyroid as well as for IGF-1 production. And then we get into drinking alcohol. That's going to blunt the effects of IGF-1. Not getting enough sleep, that's going to blunt the effects of IGF-1. So limiting your alcohol intake, getting at least seven to nine hours of sleep, that will raise your IGF-1 and growth hormone naturally. And then doing heavyweight training. So we talked about this in another podcast as well, the right exercise to do. Whether you have Hashimoto's hypothyroidism or not. You want to focus on weights. You want to focus on doing those compound movements, going heavy, going to failure sometimes, not doing these little itty-bitty weight sessions with 45 minutes of cardio. Please, please, please do not be a cardio king or queen. That will drastically drop all hormones. That will drop your T3 thyroid hormone. That will drop your testosterone that is needed in both men and women. And that will definitely drop your growth hormone and your IGF-1 production. So please do not be a cardio king and queen. You are only her yourself on so many different ways. I can't even tell you. So weight training, and, and using those heavy, heavy weights and pushing your body to the max on certain days, not every day, but on certain days, you want to push it and you want to go to failure. And then sometimes we do use DHEA. Um, there is some study, There are some studies that show that DHEA can increase IGF-1 in the body, but we have to be careful with DHEA. I use that as a precursor. It is a precursor for testosterone. So if a female is presenting with low DHEA and low testosterone, sometimes we will use DHEA as a precursor to kind of bump those test levels up. But We also have to make sure that there's not a history of breast cancer in that particular patient, as well as other contraindications for the use of DHEA. So, hey, how about you just weight chain and sleep and don't drink alcohol and get your right amount of calories and get the right amount of protein and um, cycle your calories and your carbs on off days. So that's the natural way to increase IGF-1. But I also encourage you to look into the different peptides and reach out to a prescribing practitioner that will get to know you and get to know what peptides are correct for you. I will do a separate podcast on thymus and beta. I've used it myself for growth and repair. It's not something that you notice right off the bat, it's not like you're going to notice this miracle and using it, but it can decrease inflammation. Um, it can improve pain. So people that are experiencing pain, rheumatoid arthritis pain, thymosin beta also helps reduce that flare and reduce overall pain. It has its benefits. It has its benefits. So I'll do a separate podcast on that. This one was mainly to focus on those growth hormone peptides, the and the CJC 1295, the mod, um, the insulin growth factor. And there are a couple others that really, I mean, again, it has to be tailored to you. So there are some like GHRP6 that, that tends to increase insulin a little bit. So we stay away from that. Epimoralin is better for women. Um, so it really has to be tailored to you, but the peptide sciences are up and coming. I encourage you to look into them. They could be just a huge piece of the puzzle that we're looking for in preventative medicine and in functional medicine these days. Okay. So until next time. Thank you so much for listening to the Thyroid Fix Podcast. As always, please share this with anyone that you know that needs this information. And I guarantee you there's a lot of people out there and in your life who do. If you would please take a moment to write a review on Apple Podcasts, that would be much appreciated. I read all of them. Also, please remember that anything that you hear on this podcast is not intended to diagnose or treat. So you always want to check with your doctor about any advice given that you hear on this podcast. And if you would like to book a discovery call, a free discovery call to go over everything that's going on with you and to go over how I can help you, please go to my website at amyhorneman.com. The link is always in the show notes and click on book a call. Choose a time and a day that's right for you and we will see how we can help you. Thanks for listening.